But the people who are really making a difference are the people who are going there with a lot of love, with a desire to help someone who's in crisis, and a desire to work hand in glove with the pregnancy help movement. Let's connect with the abundance of resources in our backyards to help these women and to help these families. Dear Jane, the Life-Giving Podcast. If you've ever driven by an abortion clinic during operating hours, there's a good chance you've seen pro-life supporters on the sidewalk outside. Welcome to Dear Jane. I'm your host, Scott Baker. There's a strong case to be made for the effectiveness of those folks who are there to let women know that they have a better option. However, it doesn't come without its set of challenges and controversy. Lauren Mazika with Sidewalk Advocates for Life joins us today. Lauren, let's start with the why of sidewalk counseling. Well, it's such an incredible opportunity that we have as a people of faith and conscience to go to the darkest places in our communities, the local abortion and abortion referral facility, and stand in the gap for abortion-bound women and men who ironically are there many times because they feel like they have no choice. We get an opportunity to speak peace into their circumstances, into their crisis, and offer them loving, life-affirming alternatives. And here at Sidewalk Advocates for Life, because ordinary people like you and me said yes, we've seen more than 20,000 women and families uh, saved from the tragedy of abortion. Uh, pre-born children that have been spared. We've even helped 86 workers, eternal souls, leave the abortion business. And now we've witnessed 46 abortion facility closures. So again, we have such an opportunity to affect change that no matter the law in our particular state, we have an opportunity to go and be the hands and feet of Christ at these dark places and serve women in crisis who have been lied to by the abortion industry. I mean, again, what a joy, what an opportunity. You know, I hadn't even thought about, um, you know, obviously the children saved, but when you talk about workers leaving, yeah. I hadn't even thought about that as a possibility. So I'm, I want to touch on that in a second, but sure. how, 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 why is this, I mean, 20,000 children, how is it successful? Why? Yeah. I think it's so important that we understand our audience when we go to the abortion facility. We can't just go to an abortion facility and say, don't have an abortion, right? Um, we have to show so much more what we're about. Of course, we're against abortion. Abortion is an egregious taking of innocent human life. But it's so much more than that. We want to give that woman hope, help, options, and resources. We want to give her the abundant life that we've been given. And so when we go to these places, it's so paramount that we understand her heart, her mind, the space that she's in. She brings a need. She brings a crisis to the abortion facility. That's why she's there. The baby is really not the problem. It's just shining a light into an area of her life that needs help. And so when we take the approach of, you know, that friend next door, yes, we have that element of professionalism. We're competing against Planned Parenthood, the abortion empire of the United States, right? So it is so important how we position ourselves on the sidewalk. We want to win that life-saving conversation. We want to build trust. And then we have hope to get her to a life-affirming pregnancy resource center. I think sometimes, um, maybe more so outside of the movement, I, I don't know, but there there might be a negative stereotype of some of the folks who who plant themselves there on the sidewalk. Um, yeah. Let me ask. Let me ask the question in this way: Is there a poor way to do it, or is there a way to do it incorrectly? Yeah, I think sometimes folks can take their very righteous anger to the abortion facility, 
And again, I understand that righteous anger, I think as people of faith and conscience, so many of us have it, but we have to channel it in a productive direction. These are strangers. We are strangers to her. We are walking in to her life at a very precarious moment. And so that's why people skills are paramount. And I think sometimes when the emotional temperature rises, again, understandably so at times, a lot of common sense, a lot of those people skills can go out the window. And so we've got to take that and understand that we are doing crisis intervention, that we've got to go there and understand our audience, understand where she's at. And that flips this whole paradigm on on its head because the media would love for us to be ugly, to shout things, to have angry signage, right? And we do sometimes see that here and there still at an abortion facility, but the people who are really making a difference are the people who are going there with a lot of love, with a a desire to help someone who's in crisis and a desire to work hand in glove with the pregnancy help movement, which again, we've got these pregnancy resource centers that outnumber abortion facilities more than four to one. Let's connect with the abundance of resources in our backyards to help these women and to help these families. Yeah, I often have a chance to visit with lawmakers, uh, pro-life lawmakers, especially when I tell them, you know, the one of the biggest gaps that we have is helping her understand that there are hopeful alternatives right where she is. Having great That's laws right. is one thing. That's that's fantastic, but that's only halfway, right? That's half the battle. Yep. Uh, right. Helping her understand that there are that there are hopeful options right there in her backyard. Right. So, what are some of the things that you have heard from women that you have helped along the way? What did they say to you? Here's what resonated with me. Yeah. You know, in some ways, it's a little bit different for every woman, but there's a common theme. Um, it's hope. It's you have options. Um, did you know that there's a pregnancy center right next door or across the street? You know, I've been out on the sidewalk for more than 20 years. I think I can count on one hand the number of times that someone at the abortion facility knew that there was a woman's center, that there was a pregnancy help organization in the backyard, right? Um, and women, when they are given other options, because again, so many of them are there because ironically, they feel like they have no choice. So we're the ones giving them a real choice. It's speaking to their particular crisis. If they're saying, well, mom and dad are going to kick me out of the house. And we say, well, we've got a wonderful maternity home in town. We can help you with a place to live. For some of them, it's transportation. For some of them, it's hard to reconcile present with future self because they don't know how they're going to continue with work, school, or career. And yes, these are not great reasons to take the life of an innocent child. But again, what the abortion industry does so well is that when she's in a world of crisis, when she's in self-preservation mode, she's kind of getting that, that tunnel view. And she's saying, I don't know how I'm going to do this. And they, they whispered to her $500. We'll nip this in the bud. No one will ever have to know about it. And your life will magically just go on as normal. And that's the great lie. Right. And so we have an opportunity to kind of slow her down and speak peace into those circumstances. So it's really understanding for her, what is the reason or set of reasons that she's there? And if we can fill the need that brought her to the abortion or abortion referral facility, then we have hope to save that child. So you've been doing this for 20 years. We've had some guests on here who have talked about, who've been in the movement for a long time. Yeah. They have talked about and been serving these women for for a long, long time, like pregnancy center directors and things like that. 
And it's been interesting to hear them talk about how the attitudes of have of women have changed over the years um, to where nowadays they're just real. I don't know if it's just so hardened or whatever you want to call it. Um, yeah. So how have things changed in terms of when you first started doing this 20 years ago, in terms of your messaging, um, how it's received, any noticeable changes over the years? Yeah, I think it's been so helpful to better understand the millennial and the Gen Z woman, right? Um, one of the things that women, especially in the younger generations, are really um, amenable to is hearing how some of us on the sidewalk may have walked in their shoes or had similar experiences. I know for me, I, I'm not somebody who's experienced abortion or found themselves in that particular crisis, um, but I can relate to some of the crises that they may be experiencing in their lives, right? And so when we come alongside them as community, you know, a lot of times people look at, for example, the millennial generation and they say, oh, it's the selfie generation. It's all about me. I'm all over social media. But actually, when people take those selfies, they're actually trying to show how they're part of this greater community, right? As opposed to the baby boomers that kind of had more of the modus operandi of trying to stand out amongst the crowd. It's actually that they're trying to show that they're part of community. And so that communal message has really been resonating well with women. You're not alone. We're here for you. We're going to surround you with, with hope and help. Uh, that even has been helpful with abortion workers. Uh, former Planned Parenthood director, Abby Johnson, who started, and then there were none abortion worker ministry, says that that particular message of Hey, I used to work in the industry. I I have seen what you have seen. I have smelled what you have smelled. I have gone through the same trauma that you have, and now I'm on the other side of this. And I want you to know that there's real hope and help and healing for you as well, right? And so I think that's been really helpful. The other insight that I think has been brought to the sidewalk in the last handful of years that I'm so proud that we've been a part of, as far as that sea change is the idea that we have to start with mom first. I think in the early part of the pro-life movement, because again, we were on a crusade that was very righteous, trying to save the life of an innocent child. Sometimes, and again, this, this heart was here, but I don't think this was coming out in the message. So sometimes I felt like, we felt like the, the message of the fact that we care about that woman and we want to serve her situation was kind of falling by the wayside. That is front and center today. Love them both, right? Let's love mom and baby. They're both human. They both matter. And let's serve them well. And when we serve mom, then the idea is often baby will come right along with her. So we like to keep things real. So let's, and there's, there's really no easy way to ask this question. So I'll just, you know, you're talking about messaging to her that I've been there. I have an appreciation. Um, but again, as I stereotype, the average uh, uh, sidewalk worker, they're older, um, seasoned citizens, shall we say? Um, yeah. Is that true? Number one, is that a false? Is that a false stereotype? And number two, if it is true, how do we fix that? How do we? Uh, because I is you know I think of my mom, you know, who was seventy five when she died. She would have been out there. Yeah, passionately, but she would not have connected at all. Or let's say her, the 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 Jane Roe of the 20th century would not have connected with her at all. So how yeah. do we sort of make sure that it's done in a relatable way, uh, even and, and, and make sure that the young people are involved in this? 
That's a great question. It's a fair question. Sure. Uh, we do see a lot of retirees out there, um, people that do have a lot more time at that point in their life. They may be empty nesters. They're not having to shuttle kids from soccer practice to school to this or that. Right. And we appreciate them and and the, the gap that they do fill in the pro-life movement. But we are seeing just a beautiful um I guess it would be like a springtime of interest and uh, like an infusion of energy from the Gen Z generation. Like we train uh, students with students for life. Every year they have an annual sidewalk day, right? I'm getting ready to train them here actually in a few weeks. Uh, We're seeing a lot of young people fresh out of college that are excited to get to the sidewalk, um, excited to be involved in the greatest human rights movement on earth. Um, that's a very attractive message for Gen Z. And so we're actually seeing it run the gamut. Uh, We do have a lot of middle-aged folks, people who are raising families and all that, that we do see get out there early in the morning or, you know, they bring their kids at a certain point in the afternoon to pray. And, you know, mom might reach out at the fence. Well, at least if the kids are old enough and can behave themselves on the sidewalk, they come out too. And that can be a powerful witness. So at least in Sidewalk Advocates for Life, we're seeing a pretty good range But sure, you know, just because of certain groups that have a little bit more time at certain points in life, we are seeing more retirees. We are seeing more college students. That makes sense. Let's take a break here. When we come back, we're going to visit more with Laura Musica from Sidewalk Advocates for Life. We'll talk about some of the challenges uh, associated with volunteering on the sidewalk. We'll do that next when we come back here on Dear Jane. Dear Jane, the life-giving podcast. In a world filled with conflicting views, there's a podcast that embraces unity and understanding. Welcome to Dear Jane, where pro-life leaders and people from all walks of life come together to discuss the most important conversation of our time. Join us as we delve into the complexities, challenge the status quo, and explore the diverse perspectives on the issue of life. Dear Jane hosts the hard conversations, asks the tough questions, and acknowledges our differences, all while keeping our shared beliefs in mind. Together, we seek understanding, foster compassion, and inspire change. Tune in to be a part of the dialogue that matters. Dear Jane, where open hearts lead to meaningful conversation. On this edition of People You Should Know, we introduce you to Steve Smith, co-founder of the St. Raymond Society Maternity Homes in Central Missouri. In its first 11 years, St. Raymond's has gone from one facility to two, which can house up to 22 women. And they're about to offer an important new preschool option. Our women needed a place for their kids to go so that they can continue their education and or go to work and we couldn't find enough resources. So um, just kind of the way things work uh, with God, a building 30 yards behind our home became available and we have purchased it. And um, we're gonna be able to not only uh, take on the uh, children of the women with St. Raymond's, uh, we'll we'll save 25 spots, scholarship spots for them, but we're also going to be able to open it up to the community. Steve hopes that St. Raymond's can become a resource for other organizations looking to create a maternity home. City, we've helped start 
two other communities and then they're running their own. And that's one of the things that we want to be able to do in the future is to be able to help other locations grow um, or start um, and uh, be a resource for them. Women living at St. Raymond's are required to take part in four groups that focus on vision, planning, freedom, and purpose. Alumni of the program are also encouraged to remain connected. When people ask us what we do, it's like, well, what does the woman need? Because <laughs> we are we are very pro-mom. We know that if we take care of mom, the baby's being taken care of. Steve and the team at St. Raymond's are also passionate about helping other pro-life organizations take advantage of existing tax credit programs. To learn more, visit srshelp.org. Attention changemakers. Want to make a difference in the lives of abortion-minded women? Look no further than Choose Life Marketing, the pro-life agency dedicated to spreading messages of hope and love. With expert services in web design, digital marketing, fundraising, and branding, DLM helps you reach those who need it most and provide them with life-affirming alternatives. Choose Life Marketing is your ally in the fight for life, empowering you to make a lasting impact and change hearts one click at a time. Step up and join us in spreading hope to abortion-minded women and transforming lives. Choose Life Marketing, where marketing meets compassion. Dear Jane, the Life-Giving Podcast. And we're back here on Dear Jane, visiting with Lauren Musica from Sidewalk Advocates for Life. We've been talking about the effectiveness of Sidewalk Advocates, but we're also talking about, you know, there's a right way to do it, maybe a wrong way to do it. Uh, I know, Lauren, that a lot of times people have challenges or have issues with, um, you know, some of the photos that might be used or some of the things that might be said. I notice you guys have a pledge uh, that volunteers need to sign. Sort of fill us in on what's involved with becoming uh, trained as an advocate uh, for Sidewalk Advocates for Life. Yeah. So to be a sidewalk advocate, to become a certified sidewalk advocate with Sidewalk Advocates for Life, all you need to do is go through our five-hour basic training. We have 240 training sites, so 240 teams across the United States, Mexico City, Puerto Rico. Chances are there's one near you, right? So you can go to sidewalkadvocates.org slash locations to, to find a, a training location. And then when you go through the training, you just need to sign our Pledge of Integrity, which says that you will be peaceful, prayerful, loving, and law-abiding while volunteering with our program and take some hours on the sidewalk. And it really is that simple. Now, we do have advanced training, which is optional. We have Spanish training if folks need it. We've got a whole toolkit of ready-made tools, and then we do full-time staff support of all of our leaders. We pour into them so they can pour into the sidewalk advocates. So it's a, it's a really great comprehensive program. But those values on the sidewalk, peaceful, prayerful, loving, and law-abiding, that's where we have seen the needle move. Peaceful meaning we want to be calm, we want to be winsome, we want people to feel safe and approaching us. If, if we don't win that conversation, then you know, we can't get her to a life-affirming pregnancy resource center. We're prayerful because we believe with God all things are possible, and apart from Him, we can do nothing. 
Um, we're loving because love is the greatest virtue, honestly, that we can have on the sidewalk. If she doesn't feel like we care about her and her situation, she will shut down and hear nothing that we have to say. And then we're law abiding because we want to have a chance to reach out to every single person who crosses our path, especially right now with the advent of a weaponized FBI and DOJ. Um, we've got to watch every step that we take, but we do have robust First Amendment rights on the sidewalk. And it's so important. It's so important that we, you know, act in such a way that attracts people to us. If we're being hauled off in handcuffs, uh, first of all, we can't logistically take her to the pregnancy center. Um, but then there's a question about whether or not we really are the safe people that she needs in that moment to resolve this crisis. So again, that's where we've really seen the needle move is adhering to those values on the sidewalk. Well, let's talk about that a little bit. Um, you know, again, in the name of keeping it real, there there are yeah. challenges that come with, right? Yeah. You know, I know people who have done it, who've been punched, who've gotten into shouting matches and, and all of that sort of thing. Um, I'm assuming there's training or at least there's a little bit of, you know, here's how you might handle that sort of thing. But what I mean, what are some of the challenges that you have run into as, as far as that goes? For example, for example, I'm assuming as we watch around the country, we see a lot of city councils starting to really um, clamp, try to clamp down on, uh, you know, any kind of pro-life demonstration at all and really coming after the pregnancy centers. Have you seen that? Have you seen city councils try to tamp down what you're doing? I mean, what are some of the the challenges that that your folks have run into? Yeah, so safety is par paramount to us here at Sidewalk Advocates for Life. We can't do what we do if we're not staying safe on the sidewalk. And so in the training, what you'll see is this theme of de-escalation. One of the things we cover is hostile clients. You know, sometimes people come in real hot, they're nervous, they're scared. It's an abortion day for them, right? And so we want to make sure that we don't do anything to add fuel to the fire, that we create a, a place and a space for conversation. Uh, if we have to, we can bring out our cell phone camera. Um, sometimes there are some sites where it's just a little bit more tumultuous on the sidewalk. Maybe, you know, in Oregon and Washington, the culture on the sidewalk is a little bit more hot than it is in Texas and Louisiana. And so we may need a prayer volunteer with a GoPro on their chest, just kind of walking around. Again, we're not there to you know, shame or identify clients or anything like that. We just want to make sure that we've got a camera on the sidewalk if we know things have been per precarious in the recent past. And there have been some concerning things that have happened. You know, there was a gentleman out on the sidewalk, a sidewalk counselor in Baltimore, not with our program, but he got punched in the face. I mean, got kicked in the face. If you look at the picture of his face, it looks like his face got practically split in half by this passerby who didn't like what he was doing. I don't know what words were exchanged between them. It, it was clear, obviously, the passerby didn't like what he was doing. Of course, no one either way has <laughs> needs to have their face punched in half because they're trying to help women and help families, right? Um, and then most recently, I think just about a week ago, there was a man on the sidewalk who uh, was run over. His leg was run over by the abortionist. So this is in Saginaw, Michigan. The abortionist ran over his leg and apparently had to back the car up uh, to move his car and ran over it again. The police were called. This man's leg was broken. The police were called and they allowed him to go in and still do abortions. That's what absolutely blows my mind. And so what we're seeing on the sidewalk is, and again, that gentleman was not with our program either, but what we're seeing on the sidewalk is this increased tension. We often say that the sidewalk is a microcosm of the culture. Mm -hmm. 
um, we are at least amongst our teams not seeing increased violence. And I think that speaks to the quality training that we offer. We're looking for certain things that tell us we need to kind of back away and we need to be in a state of prayer. We are still praying and, and looking for every opportunity in the spirit, right? So sometimes when someone comes in hot, you leave them alone for a second. You just remind them that you're there to talk if they want to talk. And then if they come back out and a lot of these clients, they'll come and run to their car two and three times, right? So you usually do have an opportunity to re-engage and you're just kind of reading body language, you're reading the situation and you're playing it smart, right? Which is what we should do so that we can have the most productive, hopefully life-affirming conversation in the future. All right. I'm going to spill my ignorance here. You just said a client might run to the car two or three times. Why? What's take us in sort of into the scene there on, on the sidewalk. How's that work? Yeah. Yeah. So sometimes what happens is this is mind blowing. An abortion facility quite often will not allow a woman to take her purse or cell phone into the facility. And our theory on this, the sidewalk advocates, is that that has provided a line of communication with a companion to her or with a sidewalk advocate to her on the inside. Um, A lot of people don't know this as well, that they a lot of times will not allow small children in the facility. Um, And some might say, oh, it's because she's getting ready to have major surgery. But from what we've seen and heard from former abortion workers is that they don't like little children in there because it's a reminder of life and it might change her mind. And so Anyways, what you'll see a lot of times is the woman or the companion might be running to the car to grab something from her purse that's locked inside the car, uh, or they forgot something. Maybe she's cold inside the facility. She's going to need a jacket, right? I mean, I I remember clearly one day on the sidewalk, a car had pulled in and it was like watching something out of a movie. I'm watching, you know, uh, a jacket get passed to mom from her friend. I'm watching, you know, I literally a bag of money get passed to the mom, Mm -hmm. right? I'm watching all these, these articles get passed to her. She's getting ready to walk in there and take the life of her child. Um, prayed really hard in that moment that mom actually did leave. She actually did turn around. Right. But people are told to leave this stuff in their car. And, uh, you know, so, but it gives us an opportunity because they're running out. Now, the other thing too, is a companion will come out and you will hear companions say that the tension inside the abortion facility is so thick. You could cut it with a knife, right? People are sad. They're crying in the waiting room. They're anxious. They know somewhere deep inside what they're about to do. So a lot of times boyfriend comes out on the porch and he's smoking a cigarette. Very, very common but it gives us an opportunity to reach out to him, empower him, give him all the resources and encourage him to go in there and try again and try again and let her know that there's hope and help. And hey, if you put your arm around her and tell her we make beautiful children and it's gonna be okay, then we have hope to pull her out. We've seen a lot of babies saved through companions. So, and sometimes they just wanna run down the street and get a cup of coffee. They wanna run and get breakfast while she's in there having the procedure, right? It just affords us so many opportunities to stay engaged. And so that's why I'm not somebody that favors law-breaking approaches because we have so many opportunities through our first amendment rights to do so much good and so many opportunities to keep you know, reaching out to these clients. You mentioned earlier uh, success in reaching workers 
within the yeah. facility and helping them leave that business. And we have talked to Abby and, and other people before about how difficult that really is. Um, right. How has that worked? I mean, how have you been, how have your folks been able to connect with the workers inside? Yeah. Well, the best of our advice comes from our friend, former Planned Parenthood director, Abby Johnson and her abortion worker ministry. And then there were none. We send all of our workers through her healing program. And they also offer, you know, very concrete things to help these workers transition out of the industry without fear of exploitation, you know, employment support, financial support as needed. It's really about building a relationship over time. And this can be tough because we know what's at stake every single day that they're working in the industry, but it really is the most effective way to win these workers over to life and life abundant. And so when we're in front of these facilities, it's as simple as saying, you know, hi there, I'm Lauren. I'm going to be out here praying all day. Do you have any prayer requests? Or you know what? Um, I don't know that much about you. I, I you're here a couple days a week. Uh, tell me a little bit more about yourself. Or hey, I, I really like your hair today. You know, I just got my hair done. Right? It's just being human. It's just being human to them because a lot of the folks that work in the industry, as Abby says, have one or more abortions in their past, and it really is this mode of pain and justification that literally keeps them chained to the industry. A lot of them are single parents. And they have been lured in a lot of times by saying, hey, you're actually not going to be doing abortions. You're just going to be in the office. You're just going to be the receptionist. And then, oh, we need you to help out in the lab. Oh, we need you to do this, this, and this. And before you know it, a lot of them, this is their story. Before they knew it, they were in the products of conception lab, piecing babies back together after abortion. I mean, this is what we do as fallen human beings as we take one step and one step, and then we're further and deeper into sin than we ever dreamed that we ever would be, right? And so it helps you to have compassion for these folks. It does not justify what they're doing, but I know that I'm an imperfect person that has that is standing where I'm standing because of grace. And so I, it really is just a privilege as well to reach out to these hurting people and let them know that there's hope and help available for them as well. So the name of this podcast is Dear Jane, and we're, you know, we, we talk about the uh, Jane Roe of the 21st century. What would be your message to her? It's the same timeless message. You are not alone. There are options and resources for you. We're here for you. Um, there's hope. And what I have seen in this modern day pro-life movement is that when we come together as a people of faith and conscience, when we come together as a community, there's nothing that we can't do for women who find themselves facing an unexpected pregnancy. You deserve better than abortion. You deserve better than the violent option of abortion. Your child deserves better. Your family deserves better. Your future deserves better. We're here to stand in the gap, not to give you a handout, but a hand up. And there's people who care. And I am not going to stop fighting for the day that no woman walks into one of these facilities without knowing real help and hope. Sidewalk Advocates for Life is standing in front of 240 facilities today in the United States. There's 777. I want to see people like you and me who care about women, who care about families, who care about children in front of all of these facilities. 
And even then to see this generation equipped to help their friend and neighbor who's ordered mail order abortion causing drugs and turn their own bathroom into an abortion facility. If we get educated, if we know our resources, we can do it and we can reach every single woman who is facing an unexpected pregnancy and doesn't know what to do. The website is sidewalkadvocates.org. Lauren Musica, thank you very much for joining us here today on Dear Jane. Thank you for having me, Scott. Dear Jane, the life-giving podcast. My thanks to Lauren for joining us today. You know, I think there certainly is a role for sidewalk counselors, but you have to do it right. I don't think that scare tactics and graphic photos are necessarily the best way to connect with the woman seeking an abortion. So I'm glad to hear that there are best practices and training available to volunteers. If you feel like you would excel in this environment, I encourage you to check out sidewalkadvocates.org. Thanks for listening to Dear Jane. I'm Scott Baker. Our producer is Kate Yule. Our editor is Jacob McCormick. Dear Jane is a production of the Choose Life Coalition. You can check us out online at dearjane.org and join the conversation on Twitter and Instagram. Just search for Dear Jane Podcast. Have a great day.